that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, another post-game edition. This one will be a little bit quick and dirty. We are en route uh, back from Madison to Chicago, so we can then end up in Columbus. But we are halfway in Rockford, Illinois, as we're recording this overnight tonight. Ohio State wins 24-10. to I'm Nathan Baird. He's Andrew Gillis. Steven was at a wedding today and did not get to watch these uh, festivities, get to take part in the sort of pageantry of Camp Randall Stadium and everything that goes into that. But we're going to start off off the bat, just uh, thoughts on another foundational performance by this defense and, um, you know, allowing two scores, one of which um, was, um, you know, uh, repelled with a, with a, a goal line stand right before halftime, holding them to three points, another missed field goal. And then the one touchdown drive that they did allow. But uh, again, Andrew, like it's, it's become sort of the default setting that like, well, is the team they're playing going to score one touchdown or two? But that's basically it. Like that's and and now it's just a matter of that's the standard that gets you through eleven weeks. And then is is there are are all these performances going to add up to also being able to potentially do the same thing to Michigan at the end of that month? Yeah, I mean, you look at tonight's game, Ohio State. You knew the team. You knew defense was going to travel every game that they play, but. I mean, my goodness, they they haven't allowed 20 points this season. And you look at some of the big games that they've played. I understand we'll get into this a little bit, but Wisconsin was kind of battling the injury bug a little bit. But they allowed 10 points, 10 points. And you go to Notre Dame and you allow 14 and you allow 12 to Penn State. Like, this is a defense that has just remarkably, I, I mean, everything that they do every single week, it's crazy how how good that they have been and what they've been able to do. I mean, you know, I, I didn't get the chance to ask this in the press conference, but like, I, I do think that there has to be some kind of confidence builder for the offense when you talk about the defense, because Ohio State's offense can probably look at the look at the scoreboard and say, "All right, well, if we get to twenty one, we're going to win the game." You know, we get to 24, we're going to win the game. There's, there's just no way. And there are some ways that other teams can get to a higher point total that we, again, will discuss. But, I mean, Ohio State's defense is just – it's it's so repeatable. And I mentioned this with the run game. You know, at what point do you just have to accept that the run game is what it is? Well, the Ohio State defense is what it is. The Ohio State defense is one of, if not the best defense in the country. They are absolutely stellar every single week. And that travels. And you saw it tonight when you watched this game. I mean, just they, they allowed the one drive at the end of the at the end of the first half, which was kind of like a short field for Wisconsin. They allowed the one long drive at the beginning of the second half. And then after the game, after that, there, there was nothing. You know, they didn't do much of anything else. So, yeah, I mean, this defense is just remarkably solid. And, um, you know, I think, um, I, I mean, every week, every week, it's the same old, same old with this defense and how good they've been. Well, and every week it seems like it's either somebody new stepping up and kind of taking charge for the first time uh, and or just having just being able to go down the roster and just sort of check off like, oh, this is the point of the game where this guy made his big play. Like This was the big Denzel Burke play. This was the big Jordan Hancock play. This was the big Tyleek Williams play. This was the big Davis and Igbenosum play. It just you can just sort of go one by one and 
um, you know, tonight I thought then maybe the guy who stepped up in a bigger way than we had seen um, in the last few weeks was, or maybe at all this season. I mean, Jack Sawyer had a really big game, um, six tackles. They credited him with one of the, the forced fumbles. He was big and involved in a lot of things tonight. Um, you know, Eichenberg had the big play on the, the third down um, right before halftime. Uh, I think that was on the Braylon Allen uh, shovel pass. It might've been the play where he got hurt. Right. No, it was, the, it was um, the shovel pass. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, you know, Tyreek Williams had a couple tackles for loss and a sack. Hancock got credited with a sack. Lathan Ransom, um, who got hurt in this game in the fourth quarter. We don't have a, a good update on him. Ryan Day even said after the game, like, I think he knew he was hurt, but like, I, I didn't really see what happened and I don't know what's going on with that. So that'll be something we're monitoring in the week ahead. But he did have to be carted to the locker room, but then came back to the field uh, on his own two feet. And that, I guess, alone was a promising sign. He even looked like he might have been running on the sideline to try to see if he could have come back in. But Ohio State had, in the interim, scored to go up by two touchdowns. I don't think they were going to force him back into the game at that point. But I thought he was really active and involved and in the backfield a lot and and, and, and doing a lot of things. And it's just like th- this defense – just stifles people right now um it to the point where even like a 10 point lead starts to feel a little bit insurmountable for a lot of the opponents that they will play that probably won't be the case when they play michigan michigan's got more talent more firepower but you're checking off all of these teams along the way and it it happened against penn state where it became pretty apparent in that game that they weren't going to be able to score enough to keep up you look ahead to the teams that are still on the schedule Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota. I think these are three weeks where this defense can can they can be kind of like statement making games here coming up. Like who which of these teams can you actually shut out? Which of these teams can you like, you know, do some um like some exemplary things against and and have that be sort of a tone setter while you're also still, you know, cleaning up some things and trying to get better going into the, the Michigan game. By no means do I think this, this defense can like, you know, rest on its laurels yet, but it has clearly transcended a little bit. I was looking at the 2019 team, which was the first team that I covered here and is a defense that like will live in Ohio State history for how great it was. Like it gave up 21 points on opening day to Florida Atlantic. It gave up um, 21 points at Rutgers that year. But I remember that game. It was kind of weird. They hadn't allowed a first half touchdown or first quarter touchdown all season. Maybe it was just first quarter touchdown. That was like the first team to score one. And I think they like weirdly led like seven, nothing. It was a game <laughs> where they won 56 to 21 and it felt off for some reason. Um, but like, I'm just saying like that team was giving up 20 points a game sometimes to teams that weren't great. And yeah, there was some garbage time stuff in there, whatever. But um, still like you're this far into a season, you haven't allowed more than 17 points. And the, tonight they had to make some adjustments. Like they, they talked about, um, you know, they, they came in and, and expected Wisconsin to play more defensive backs or I'm sorry, play more receivers. So then they played a different defensive back alignment. Jordan Hancock started at nickel um, instead of Sonny Styles. You saw Cam Martinez playing more um, just, just some, some different, little fluctuations that they made to try to account for, for this specific opponent and the things that they were going to try to do. And it, the end result didn't look any different. So, you know, I, I looked this up during the game. I, I looked this up 
um, just out of curiosity, I was <laughs> I asked Nathan, I was like, give me your pen. Because I, was, I looked at the scoreboard and I, and I started to have some thoughts. Ohio State has allowed 39 first half points this year. That's in that's remarkable. You know, you, you think about some of these games where Ohio State's offense has maybe gotten in a little bit of trouble. Like I think, for example, the the Notre Dame game. Ohio State scored three points in, in that in that Notre Dame game at halftime, and they were winning at halftime. And in that Maryland game, they scored ten points, and you know they in that that touchdown was a pick six, and it was tied at halftime. Like the the offense scored zero touchdowns against Maryland in the first half and had one field goal, and it was tied. And no, the offense had no touchdowns and a field goal against Notre Dame, and it was tied. And the offense had one touchdown after you know a mind-boggling red zone interception from McCord, and it was a 10-3 lead for Ohio State. Like the defense has done so much for this team, and so much for the entire like it, it just changes the math when you have a defense that can just reliably do this. And I, I mean, we're eight games into the season now. This isn't like we're talking about this after a month or something like that. Like 39 points in the first half. I mean, you're talking 16 quarters of football here and they've allowed not even 40 points. That's, that's crazy. And that I like, I, do you, do you want to say they haven't played a real number one receiver? Um, all right, whatever. Do you want to say that they haven't played a, you know, a true elite high level college court? All right, whatever. Well, however you want to say it, I don't care who you're playing 39 points in that amount of games is remarkable. And I think that when you're able to do this, like, you know, I going back to what I said earlier, like, it just kind of gives you this benchmark. If you're Ohio State's offense, you look at the scoreboard and say, all right, we get to blank. We're going to win. We get to 21. We're going to win. We get to 24, 27, whatever the benchmark is. It's not like a couple of years ago with Ohio State football where it was like, all right, well, the offense is great, but last score might win. You know, last to touch the ball might win. And this is just not the case. This is a totally different operation than what we've seen for the last couple of years with Ohio State. And again, it's a little bit backwards, maybe. You know, I I think with the defense, it was, you know, a couple of years ago, all right, maybe you get like two or three stops and you're probably going to win because the offense is just that good. Well, this year, it's if, if the offense can just scrounge together a couple touchdowns, like you scrounge together three touchdowns and two field goals. You're going to beat a lot of teams with 27 points with this defense. Yeah, and it's so strange to think of this in context with what Ryan Day insisted. You know, going into the Georgia game last year, he was like, hey, these are the games. Like, you have to score in the 40s to win these games. And both playoff games last year, which were – there were teams involved in both those games that were very highly rated statistically. And, you know, Ohio State was 42-41, and Michigan TCU was, I think – 51 to 45, something like that. Like both games, like scoring a ton of points in the, the semifinals. And obviously the championship game was a, was a laugher, but those other two, you know, back and forth competitive and having to get into that kind of scoring range. And I don't think Ohio state would have to score in the forties to win a playoff game this year. But I think it it also probably isn't going to hold a team in the twenties either, right? Like so, it's it becomes right. a thing more like you know things are going to happen in the course of a game. You're going to give up a little bit here to other great teams. Um, what? But those those 
you string together enough stops in the middle. And that was kind of the thing for Ohio state. Like it almost did that last year against Georgia in the peach bowl, like almost like it had a really strong third quarter defensively really gave the offense a chance to like get out in front and maybe take that. And then couldn't quite sustain it into the fourth quarter, whether it was the touchdown drive, they gave up, whether it was the, the, the Lathan ransom fall, like things just, Two, one too many drives uh, Georgia was able to put together. And I know that now we're a little, rambling a little bit to go all the way from Madison, Wisconsin to Atlanta from last year. But you, this is the connections you have to start to try to make. It's like, how does what we're seeing this year change that narrative if Ohio State can get back to that point? And they're obviously going to have to win at least you know these next three games and then a massive game plus whatever would come after that in the Big Ten Championship game in order to ensure that they're playing at that level again. But you're starting to see now everything is just so repeatable. And the thing that I think is if you're an Ohio State fan that you have to be the most enthused about is that this isn't a situation where you had, you know, Chase Young coming off the edge in 2019 and him being like such a phenomenon that teams had to overcompensate for him, but then also just couldn't really do anything about it. It was the best of both worlds there. And the, and the rest of that defense got the feet off of that. And you had a, a, a corner in, in Jeff Okuda who teams didn't even throw to his side of the field. And in that alone was, was shrinking the possibilities of any offense that played Ohio state. Well, this year, even though they're getting some tremendous performances now from JT to him, Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke uh, on down the list, it doesn't ever feel like there's one person just whose presence is causing a team to play in a drastically different way. It's just a lot of really good players stepping up and kind of just repeatedly doing their job. You don't find yourself watching this game, these games very much and seeing, Oh boy, man, he really blew that. Or, Oh, they're really victimizing Ohio state on this thing. Like multiple times, like will Ohio state figure out how to stop that? Like it's, it's, it's like brief success followed by usually a, a pretty definitive shutdown. I mean, Wisconsin scored on that drive to start the second half tonight. And then I, when did, did they even get in Ohio state territory the rest of the night? I'm trying to remember now. Um, it was pretty emphatic from that point on that it was, uh, it was just a shutdown. Yeah, they, so I have the drive chart here. Um, you know, I, I, while I hesitate they, to say they, they did know, get to the forty eight, they did yeah. get to the forty eight, yeah. And I, I was gonna, I was gonna read off some of these numbers. Like, while I hesitate to just kind of throw out two drives, like you know, if you throw out those middle two drives at the end of the first half and at the beginning of the second half, two for fifteen fumble, four for seventeen punt, four for zero field goal attempt miss, three for three punt, three for seven punt. There's the end of the first half besides that field goal drive, which again they got the ball at their own forty eight yard line off of an interception. Uh, then the second half, they they got on the field, seven plays, 75 yards. All right, sure, score a touchdown. Three for nine, punt, 10 for 45, punt, three for two, punt, 10 for 25, downs, five for 16, downs. That's crazy. Like, they they started the game with a, like, with a turnover, and then they had three punts and a missed field goal. And then after that touchdown drive, they ended the game with three punts and then two turnovers on downs. Like, Ohio State's defense, and you could kind of point to a couple of different things and he, how it ended. And 
okay, well, on this drive, you know, they had a nice, you know, they had a big play, which put them back behind the chains or on one drive, you know, they had the fumble play where I, I still don't even know who got a hand on that ball, but somebody punched it out. It's hard and, to see but, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ohio state recovers that fumble and you know, they get the ball. I think like, that's the one they credited to Sawyer. I think was that's, it. The, okay. So, I think so. Somebody, I mean, but either way, there's a mass of people in that in that pile, and like I think it's important to note here that the way that Wisconsin got the ball was that Ohio State's offense got the ball first and drove into Wisconsin territory, and after an eight play drive, turned it over on downs. Like that was exactly the kind of recipe that Wisconsin was looking for, and that Wisconsin wanted to happen. Which again, I think a lot of Ohio State fans were probably a little nervous in that moment because you, you know, it, it Wisconsin is a not an easy place to play, especially at night. And you go down the field on the first drive, and the bugaboo that had kind of plagued this team for so long was the offensive line, and the offensive line gives up a sack. Which again, I'm not going to blame on Kyle McCord for fumbling there. Got to hang on to the ball, but him getting tackled was not his fault, and. That was a great start for Wisconsin. You get a turnover, Ohio State gets zero points, and then immediately the defense is up to the task. So yeah, I, there's really nothing you can say about this defense that is like hyperbolic at this point. I mean, they are just that good. Ohio State came into this game having allowed the tied for the fourth fewest red zone attempts against this season. Only three teams had allowed fewer, two of them, by the way, Michigan and Penn State. But as we all know, Michigan has not played anybody that deserves to be in the same conversation as Notre Dame and Penn State, two of the teams that um, Ohio State has played. And you could maybe even add, be able to add like a third offense <laughs> to that list before you get to the best one that um, that Michigan would have played. And in Penn State, had had not really played anybody until it played Ohio State. So, like... Tonight, uh, those numbers that you spouted off, you take away those two drives. Ohio State, I think, allowed like 14 yards per drive on the other 10 drives. Like that's that's a shutdown performance, and um, they're they're just not allowing teams to get that get their head up and like get any momentum going on offense. Now, yes, I think again we're not being haters. There is a caveat here. Like if they had to play Tanner Mordecai, who wasn't like tearing the world apart before he got hurt but if he had had been able to play the the guy that Wisconsin wants to be at starting quarterback maybe that changes things a little bit if Braylon Allen doesn't get hurt right before the end of the first half he was running in a pretty good clip I think it was oh all right it was like 10 for 50 yards um you know who knows what happens but still it's that only contributes to the point where like there were definitely some less than amazing offenses the last few years that were still able to move the ball at times on Ohio State and or or pull out some really big plays on Ohio State and neither of those things are happening with any kind of consistency this year so it's it's a it's just a a topsy-turvy world now where we've almost like we talk about this defense the way we used to talk about the offense and then on the offense you're like can they do just enough to to get by like they have this one great player and like and can they do just enough to push through and it's it's taken us this long but i think that's how we have to look at these next four games um leading up to michigan like i just don't know that this is going to be an offense that clicks into that 40 point mode again against other really good teams that's the other thing you look at back down 
look back to 2019, you know, scoring, um, you know, 48 points at Nebraska wasn't a great Nebraska team. Michigan State was ranked number 25. They scored 34 points against them. Wisconsin was ranked number 13. They scored 38 points against them. You know, Penn State, they only got 28 points. That was a tough game to win at Ohio Stadium. Michigan was ranked number 13. They scored 56 points. Uh, Wisconsin, again, had moved up to number eight when they played them the second time, scored 34 points in a tough win in the Big Ten Championship game. But even that offense... Um, and then the defense acting as a catalyst could get up into the thirties and forties with regularity. And that's just not what this is. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to beat Michigan, but I'm, I'm certain it's good enough to be 11 and zero. and then it's just a matter of can the, will the defense have to play its best game of the season, but will that potentially still be attainable for them at that point? I think it probably is. Yeah. And it, it goes back to the offense too. It's like you, you, you point you can point to the problems with the offense and uh, you know of which there are a few and say okay well they got to get better here they got to get better here and it's like you said it's the way that this defense i think gets in trouble you kind of saw it maybe a little bit tonight or at least you saw kind of the skeletons of that a little bit tonight you know you you look at a a red zone turnover from Comacord that goes awry you look at um, you know, the interception when Ohio State was on Wisconsin side of the field, you look at the uh, the turnover on downs, which was like that sack fumble play. You know, there there are situations in which this defense can get into trouble. And I think Ohio State has to act accordingly to that. I'm not sure that you can go out there and, you know, kind of operate under this assumption that you're going to score 38 or that you're going to score 30. Like, I know you want to do that. I just don't know if you can operate that way anymore because that might end up hurting you i think you know there was a really good point and steven made it on the on the pod last week um you know when he was talking about this with our tech subscribers and everything like that like tell me you don't believe in your offense without telling me you don't believe in your offense was when penn state had ohio state they just punted the ball to ohio state and ohio state with some timeouts left in their own territory just sat on it and said let's go to halftime and I, I think that you kind of have to play that way a little bit because I'm not sure that you can trust this offense not to put this defense in, you know, kind of problematic situations. Because if you can avoid those problematic situations, then I don't know. I mean, how many teams in this country can you look at and say, all right, that team is definitely moving the ball on Ohio State. Like that team is definitely going to score some points. Like there are teams out there, right? Like, I mean, I mean, I would love to see Washington play this team, Oregon play this team. Um, you know, Florida, I think like a Florida State would be fascinating with their quarterback, Jordan Travis. Like there's just different matchups that you can point to and say, wow, that'd be something, wow, that'd be something, that'd be something. But it's a very short list of the amount of teams that can score against Ohio State. And it's weird though, because I don't, I don't know if Ohio State would be favored in any of those games right now. That's a good on question. A I don't know. Field? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Tishu, if people want to go find his uh, his metrics around his Twitter account, um, you can uh, you know put in what what his point spread would be for any of those matchups, and uh, I could do it right now. But we've got other things to talk about. Um, but it's something that it's something that's it's just. Yeah, I, I now that you mention it, like I'm thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, it would be interesting because those are the matchups that Ohio State like used to like, you know, bring it on, like bring on any team. Like, well, they can win a shootout against anybody, but they can't win a shootout against anybody this year. And it's a matter of are those is this defense up to the task to stop those offenses? And right now, the best we have to go by is you're playing these these teams that have 
clearly flawed offenses, but just the totality of the victory is in trying to apply that to tell us what would happen against a more uh, more dynamic offense. I think you can still take something away. I think it, there's still enough here to tell you that um, even great offenses, they will drive more against Ohio State. They will not drive uh, relentlessly against Ohio State. Like This defense will always give this offense a chance. So we talked defense. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk some offensive things before we go here on this postgame edition of Buckeye Talk. So let's talk Trevion Henderson. Obviously had missed the past three games, was earlier this week declared full go by Ryan Day. So we fully expected to see him suit up and play, and he did. And he had his best game of the season. Uh, 24 carries, I think it was, for 162 yards. And just as importantly, I thought, uh, four catches for 45 yards uh, on five targets. And they made him a backfield weapon in a way, uh, a passing weapon that they had not for two years. He had, I think it was 27 receptions, something like that, as a true freshman. And when he had that catch early in the game today, I went back and looked. That, that first one he had that was on a big, they they like um, tempoed up and got up under center real quick because they saw a matchup and and got a ball out to him uh, on the perimeter, and he was just wide open all alone and went for a long gain. Like, that was his eighth catch of the past two years. So 27 or however many it was compared to eight. That's how far away they've gotten. And he's been hurt and hasn't played as regularly, but they clearly had not been using it, and it was something that they went back to tonight as a real weapon, as kind of everyone has been saying, they probably should. Um, and, and maybe the fact that they didn't have Emeka Abuka, who didn't play despite not being on the availability report, and that Julian Fleming got hurt a little bit. Like, maybe they had to tweak some things, and that's why he became a bigger target. But uh, I don't know. I think it's just something that should be a, a big part of his game and this offense for the rest of the way. Yeah, and you mentioned the the catches with Travion. Like, I, I don't mean to start off with a negative, but I think it was the I believe it was the drive where Kyle McCord threw that you know that that interception, uh, the, you know the one where he just should have thrown it away and thrown it into mm. the seats. There was a wheel route, or, or I forget the exact route, but Travion had a step on the defender, and and he you know he dropped the ball. And he should have had a touchdown on that one. Like Travion's got to catch that, and that was really the only blemish for him. To Tonight, I thought like that's a play that you probably got to make but I mean 24 carries 162 yards and then you add 45 more like when you're being not only you know not not only do you end up with uh 28 touches like they really wanted to get him involved and I said this in one of our videos after the game like this is I think just a huge x factor for this offense because Look, Mar- Marv is Marv, and like, <laughs> I mean, he's just ridiculous. Like, there's nothing else that we can say about him besides like that guy's just unbelievably good, and he did it again. <laughs> like, it's. It, I remember I looked up. I think uh, 
I looked at uh, one of the other writers and I was like, hey, Marvel has three catches today. And the next play was where they threw it up to him in the corner of the end zone and he made just this bonkers catch. So when you have that, that's one thing. But what Travion gives you is this explosive element out of the backfield that I think that this offense has really been missing. You know, I, I think the Notre Dame game is kind of a great example. And, you know, ironically, the Notre Dame game was the last game he played in where the run game wasn't great and the run game hasn't been great all year. I mean, tonight was really kind of the first night where the run game got on track, like to a, to a level that you would feel good with. Like, um, you know, you look at some of the right, like Travion Henderson, 6.8 yards carry on 24 carries. Uh, Xavier Johnson had 7.3 yards carry on four carries. Uh, Chip Trainum, um, he only had six carries. He only had 2.2 yards a carry. But for the majority of that, the Buckeyes ran the ball really well. And Travion just kind of gave you this element, like I said, in that Notre Dame game, where even when the run game's not working, you get one good read, you get one good set, and all of a sudden Travion's gone, and he's down the field, and you have a touchdown, and he just brings that explosive element. So yeah, I I mean, my goodness, I, I think that this offense has been sorely lacking something like that. Um, you know, I, I think Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams, I think those guys are great in between the tackles runners, but they just don't have that home run capability that Henderson has. And I mean, our texters were texting us all night. Like, it feels like Travion's going to break one. feels like Travion's going to break one. Looks like he's going to break one. He's so close. And he, he didn't break a super long one, but he did break enough long ones to where you just looked at it and went, wow, that, that has not been here for Ohio State's offense for the last couple of weeks. It did eventually break one that um, he, where he was stopped by the you know goal line by the end zone by, by that's where the run had to end. Um, but that, that was a big touchdown in the fourth quarter. But um, yeah, I just felt like there was a different energy to the offense tonight, to the running game tonight. It just you could feel a buzz in that stadium when Trevin Henderson had the ball, and for it to, to have that happen in an opposing stadium is, is saying something. Um, but you still just had that vibe um, from whatever small you know percentage of that uh, crowd is Ohio State fans, and it's it's a decent size. Any any stadium they go into, um, they don't get to maybe take over Camp Randall quite as the way they would say Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette or whatever. But uh, still, like there was just a it was palpable. I thought, and um, Ohio State's got to find a way to replicate that. And I and but the other part of that was I thought a much better blocking performance by the offensive line. This was a game where they were giving him the second level access and he was taking it with authority. And that wasn't the case against Penn State last week. They started off solid and they got just worn down or weren't able to sustain it through a whole game. And tonight I thought it was more sustained. Like certainly there were some times where Trevion Henderson got tripped up. But it was much more consistently that he was able to knife through and get a good chunk of yards. And I, he gets credit for that and, and having some better vision and, and taking advantage of it. But I thought this offensive line also just very clearly was giving him a better structure to, to run through than maybe it did against Penn State or in even some other recent games where the ground game just wasn't getting on track, even without Henderson in there. Yeah, you know, I, the run game. 
is such an important like, element to this. And uh, I hope Steven's listening to this. I hope he goes back and listen to this because I want him to hear this part clearly. There is going to be parts of the game where you have to run the ball. And I think Ohio State kind of proved that. And, and, and I don't, I think something that I hadn't even really considered uh, up until tonight, you know, frankly, um, was that there are going to be parts where you're going to run the ball and everybody's and it, we have kind of made this comparison before. Okay. You're up on Michigan. It's 24 17 and there's four and a half minutes left and you're backed up and you'd like draw out this like dramatic scenario where the weather's bad and you know, you're not going to be able to throw the ball and you just got to put your hand in the dirt and, and drive somebody off the ball. Like we have kind of laid that out, but I think tonight kind of give you the scenario of, okay, what if you don't, super trust Kyle McCord to do a ton and you have to be able to run the ball to give you that, you know, other element. And I think kind of getting Travion involved and getting him in the game like you did, I I mean, getting him out in space is just so crucial. Like he talked about that before the beginning of the year, um, you know, it, it, training camp in the lead up to the season. Like, man, I just, I, so, I work so much better with, with my, with the ball in my hands out in space. And if, if they give me the, if they give me that chance, it's going to be great. And I think that you kind of saw that with Travion because he doesn't just give you stuff in the run game. He doesn't just give you that home run threat. He doesn't just kind of make things a little more balanced. He does give you that ability from sideline to sideline on how he can just change the math on what defenses have to do. Uh, another big game from Marvin Harrison Jr., 123 yards and two touchdowns, including some really impressive ones. Steven and I are going to uh, come back on Monday with the usual, like, rewatch the game. We'll watch things in more detail. Maybe we'll go into some some more stuff with that. Um, did want to touch on the night Kyle McCord had. 17-26, uh, 226 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, lost the fumble on that fourth down sack. But as you and I were talking on the drive back, Andrew, and it's 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 not just statistics, and and the two picks were the first ones he had thrown since the one in the season opener against Indiana on fourth down that we all kind of you know brushed aside as like well sometimes you have to take that chance on fourth down. Um, these were you know uh, more critical times. One came in the red zone as you pointed out. The other came in plus territory. And and Ryan Day even sort of excused the second one. He said, you know, the first one was bad. You can't have that uh, bad decision. Second one, he saw why it happened, the corner breaking off and taking a chance and, and just making a play on a ball. And uh, I don't I, – I, I usually defer to what Ryan Day says about quarterback play. Um, I don't know if I can get all the way there in excusing that interception. But there was – in the way that there was a, a very um, – confident vibe to the running game tonight there wasn't necessarily a confident vibe very often from the quarterback play now we should also say that Kyle McCord was clearly playing through uh pain tonight I don't know if I'd call it an injury but he was clearly playing through pain like he was grimacing a lot um I think he's had a, a, an injury and that he's been trying to downplay and then something got either aggravated tonight or something else happened but Ryan Day again kind of we didn't talk to Kyle McCord after this game by the way I think he was probably it's safe to assume getting some extra treatment before they got out of there. And usually he comes in after games. He did not come in after this game. Ryan Day saying that he didn't think that the physical issues were any part of the decision-making issues, but just wasn't a the kind of crisp performance from him that you maybe are hoping he's able to summon at this point in the season um, and that maybe 
you would get an indication he was building towards something else. I don't know how much the injury affected that, but it just it just didn't have that same vibe. Yeah, I you know, I I was not kind to him in the YouTube video that we did at the end of the game and I I don't really have a reason to change that. I think look, you won the game. Congratulate, you know, all right, good. You did what you had to do. Check one. You know, that that's you won the game and we've kind of talked about this defense and this team being like, all right, well, this team is going to have to win in some unique ways this year and that's totally fine. But you won the game and I understand you were injured and I understand you're fighting through this stuff and I understand that we're talking about McCord in that way. But I mean, the training wheels for me are kind of off at this point. You look at like this was Ohio State's eighth game of the season and they're going to finish the year with at Rutgers, Michigan State and Minnesota before they head to Ann Arbor for the final game of the year. and. I mean, are Rutgers, Michigan State, and Minnesota going to give you, you know, the kind of look that you have gotten from Notre Dame, from Penn State, from Wisconsin on the road? Absolutely not. And for me, I, I, I feel like, and, and Nathan, I hope you'll appreciate this. I feel like a person who has a kid at home who you just kind of like, you have to keep reminding them, like, don't do this. It's going to hurt you don't do this. It's like, you're like telling them not to touch the stove. They, Hey, don't do this. You're going to burn your hand. Don't do this. You're going to burn your hand. Don't do it. And eventually they're going to do it. And sometimes it's not a bad burn. Sometimes it just kind of stings for a minute, but eventually one of these times it's going to really hurt Ohio state. And there were just throws that he made tonight that I just, I, I mean, again, you, you have problems with because Wisconsin scored 10 points and like, not to be, you know, crass, not to be crude to the defense, not to say that the defense didn't do a great job, not to say that any of that. But like, what happens if you were facing, again, apologies to the Badgers, what happens if you were facing like a legitimate offense or even a Wisconsin offense that had its starting quarterback and had its starting running back for the second half? Like, what happens if that was the case? You know, what happens if you play, like, what happens if these mistakes happen against a Michigan team or a Washington team in the playoff or an Oregon team in the playoff or whatever? Like th- these mistakes are just killer and the mistake in the end zone can't happen. That is a throw that you've got to throw to the guy selling hot dogs in section 111. Like you got to get rid of that ball and get it out of there, get it out of danger. The sack, I'm not going to put on him, but there were just two, there was an intentional grounding play where Ohio State had the field goal unit on the field, ready to kick a field goal as the refs were deliberating. And then they dropped the intentional grounding flag and then they had to punt. And there was another play on third down where Ohio State was going to punt anyway. And then intentional grounding pushed them back. Like Kyle McCord went seven of seven in the second half with two intentional groundings. Like, it didn't feel like he went seven of seven. Like there, there were just mistakes there that I don't think he had to make. Uh, do you like the, and especially that the first intentional grounding, which took him out of field goal range. I don't know if you caught this, Nathan, that was scarily close to a backwards pass. Like that was almost a complete and utter disaster. And you can't do that. And I understand that he looked like it. Like, look, 
I understand that there is a lot of things that you can grade him on a curve on. Like I know at the beginning of the year against Indiana and against Notre Dame and against a lot of these other schools, okay, you know, he's making his, you know, first couple starts or this is his first big start on the road. Or, you know, I, I think I gave him like a B minus last week against Penn State because, you know, there were still the mistakes, but it was Penn State. And it was a bigger game and blah, blah, blah. At, like at some point we're running out of these errors. And for me, that was tonight because – for me, it was a team that you're better than. I understand they have a good defense, but this was a good test for you. And this should have been a good test for you to kind of go into the final 30 year season because, again, you're not going to get this kind of test again until you play Michigan. And that, as it turns out, at least as it stands right now, is going to be the most important game of the season for more than just Ohio State, Michigan. Like, this is a game that is probably going to decide whether or not you go to the college football playoff or not. I know it didn't last year, but. Um, if USC wins a game, it uh, it did. So this is the most important game of the year, and you just cannot make those mistakes moving forward. And I saw too many of those mistakes for for my liking, and I think for a lot of people's liking. So a lot to work on with McCord. I um you know I, the the turnover worthy plays tonight would would they would scare the heck out of me if I was an Ohio State fan. Yeah, and I think that is that's the, kind of the crux of it because. Coming out of the Purdue game, there were some moments, and um, like I remember asking him after the Purdue game, like that next week, like, "Hey, getting a little, getting a little loose with it, right?" And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, like you can't put the ball on the ground. Like, you know, ball control has been a real point of emphasis." And then some of those same things happened against Penn State, and you can you can more easily. Um, forgive them, I guess, against Penn State. That was a really, really, really good defense, and um, you know they they the either the true pressure or the threat of pressure maybe just was in his head a little bit more for a game like that, and that's why things got a little wobbly at times. But I know there were people on the beat um, writing about it this week too, about like, hey, he needs you know he says he he wants to take care of the ball and he he's going to do a better job about it. And then it happens again this week. And it's just, I'm, I, I can't completely beat him up because he clearly was playing through a lot of pain. There is For no sure. Devin Brown to turn to. Like he, uh, he couldn't move very well. He was kind of limping around the field, limping around the sidelines. He was spending time on the exercise bike, um, on the sideline. Uh, you know, something was clearly bothering him and he stayed in the game, played through it. They could turn to the running game in the second half for those for the drives that iced it. They didn't need to get out there and, and attack with the pass. So that worked out in their favor. Um, but it's it's I, coming out of Notre Dame and the performance at the end of that game, I think everyone sort of expected that that could be sort of a springboard and the the spring hasn't really happened. It's it's plateaued yeah. a little bit, and I don't know. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's a, a thing. A first year starter. Maybe you hit these walls sometimes. You've got to find a way to fight through them. He clearly isn't a careless player, or a, he isn't careless in his attitude and careless in the way he approaches this. I think he he wants to fix these things. But whatever attention he is giving them during the week, it's not necessarily translating to game day, and it, it's not it's 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 not chronic. He's not throwing five interceptions a game, and he's not um, right. fumbling the ball every time he touches it. You know, it's not it's we've seen like guys who have true like 
truly turnover prone court quarterbacks. And I would not put him in that class. It's just been, he's been walking a tightrope and tonight he fell kind of onto the wrong side of that tightrope. I think he needs to find a way. Like the word that I used after the game, what I wrote was just stability. We talked so much coming into this season that, you know, statistically Ohio state's quarterback position is probably going to regress a little bit, but if X, Y, and Z all happen, that doesn't necessarily matter. And X was probably the defense being better. And that's happened. It's like a capital X, right? Like that's happened to a degree that I don't think any of us were truly expecting. Y could have been like, oh, well, but if Marvin Harrison Jr. is like even better, then that negates the quarterback play a little bit. And that's starting to happen a little bit. And and then Z would be the running game. And that's obviously been up and down, but it was there tonight. The running game was there tonight. Even with that foundation, it still was just a little bit wonky from from Accord. And I think um, that's, he's got three games now, as you've brought up a couple times, to that get to be sort of the runway into that Michigan game. And like, how do you use these next three games to become the quarterback you want to be for, for Michigan? Right. And, you know, the, I mean, I think it's valid pointing out like Wisconsin did have, you know, on the, on their field goal attempt, they did have, or I guess their made field goal, I should say, they did have a, um, you know, the, a touchdown wiped off the board because the uh, slot receiver that caught the ball, his knee was on the ground. So, you know, that was a walk in touchdown for them. So, like, let's just, I, I, I bring that up to say, let's just say, oh, you can count on Ohio State to allow two drives a, a game, right? Which is st- still remarkable how good this defense has been. But like, let's just say you can count on, all right, the defense is going to give up 14-ish, you know, against the Wisconsin type opponent. So, all right, so how do you, you can weigh that out and say, all right, maybe it's 24 against this team and 21 against this team and 17 against this other team, however you want to say it. Like the way that this team, I think, gets into trouble is when you force the defense into situations like, you know, the one tonight where, okay, it's 24-14, but what happens if that throw was a backwards pass and Wisconsin goes and scoops it up? Like, or what happens if, you know, that, that interception gets returned farther than just, hey, look, you know, the, the interception, he got to midfield. Like, what happens if, if true disaster strikes, or frankly, you play an offense where, you know, keeping all everybody talks about you know staying on pace and staying on script and staying on um you know staying on your on your p's and q's like when it comes to you know not getting behind the chains well okay well what happens if you're playing a team that can score pretty reliably you are like those are the types of games where one disaster and one of these type of plays will kill you so yeah i you know You've, the, the turnover bug is, I think, it, the reason I keep harping on it and the reason I've been bringing it up for a couple of weeks now is because I think that is truly what could be the downfall of this team because the defense, I think, is going to travel pretty much no matter what. I think there are going to be some tougher games, obviously. You're, gonna, you're not going to – I would be stunned if they didn't allow a team to have 20 points all year long and they you know made it to the national championship game or something like that. But eventually this defense is not going to be able to keep teams under 20 and eventually Kyle McCord is going to have to go out there and win a game kind of like he did at Notre Dame. The problem is that Notre Dame game might not be 14, 10, you know, that, that type of game might be, 
31 27 and you have you have to go out there and get 34 you know you have to go out there and beat a team when not to say even the defense doesn't have it but you've got to go out there and beat a team when you just need it or you know you threw an interception early in the game and now all of a sudden there's a seven point swing like there's just moments like that that cannot happen if you're McCord and and I think that that is the that is could that like to me right now that I think is maybe the number one downfall is that you've the the turnover game could really really hurt this team over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, the one thing that undermines a, a great defense is when you're putting them in yeah, bad situations or giving the sure. other team the ball or and, and yeah, that's 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 what they've had to avoid and it's like the one thing that he can't do. He doesn't have to be the Stroud Fields right. Haskins level. He just can't be the the thing that puts points on the board for the other team and it, again he hasn't it hasn't been like consistently happening it's just been like teetering in that direction and tonight was the closest it came to being a real problem and so we'll see what he needs in terms of like healing up and and being you know more mobile next week against uh, at Rutgers which I know is a big game for him his dad played at Rutgers he is a New Jersey kid. I know he went to school in suburban Philadelphia, but he's, he is a new, he's a New Jersey native basically. And, uh, uh, mom went to Rutgers too. Like his parents met there. Like that's, so it's going to be a big game for him. And, um, you know, hopefully for his sake, I guess, um, th- this, whatever was ailing him tonight is something that they can heal pretty quickly through treatment and he can be, uh, ready for that game. Um, obviously, Devin Brown still won't be back next week. So Tristan Jebbia was the number two quarterback. That's who would have come in and was playing catch behind the bench if he was needed in that game, which they obviously, he, from what he saw, thought it was probably worthwhile taking the playing some catch to get ready just in case. It was just very obvious that McCord was not right. So we'll see if that's something that needs to be monitored uh, in the week ahead. But uh, we're going to wrap up there. As I said, uh, Steven and I will be back on Monday. It'll get up a little bit later on Monday just because of all this travel that everyone is doing. But it will be a Monday pod that uh, where we do some rewatch and look at some some parts of this game in more detail. And then, um, you know, the usual uh, Buckeye Talk schedule unfolding after that. And all three of us will be in New Jersey next week to watch Cal McCord and his homecoming and Ohio State trying to extend its all-time winning streak against the Scarlet Knights, who are bowl eligible, uh, but also probably aren't all that great. Um, So for Andrew Gillis, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.